Welcome to In Bed with Neil Moody. I'm Neil Moody, Editorial Hairstylist, and throughout my 25-year career in the fashion and beauty industry so far, I've been lucky enough to have met and worked with some amazing and talented people. My In Bed with Neil Moody podcast series focuses around the professional and personal life stories of entrepreneurial individuals who also think outside the box. I hope to give you an insight into their world, what they're up to, and where they're going next. My guest on this episode is Stuart Roberts, a born and raised Essex geezer who began hairdressing in 1978 after falling for a girl who worked in his local salon. Luckily, he fell in love with hairdressing too and went on to open his own salon 10 years later. Stuart came to visit me in London where we talked about him being 13 years sober from alcohol and setting up the Sober Living Action Group in 2013, a programme with holistic treatments for alcoholics and also in November 2014, creating the now award-winning Haircuts for Homeless. He also discusses the struggles homeless people go through and about his new haircutting training scheme for the homeless to join and help give them a career and hopefully a new start in life. Hello, Stuart Roberts. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Neil. Good, good. Thanks for doing this with me. You're very well. Um, You've actually just come from working on a... Haircuts for homeless thing, haven't you? So yeah, I've come from Whitechapel Mission just now. Yeah, yeah cool. Busy day. Yeah. Well, we'll get on to that later, but okay. I just want to do a little bit of a this is your life thing, just for anybody okay. that's listening. Just about where you were born, you know, what was your childhood like, that kind of thing. Just give us yeah. a little, you know, little rundown. Well, I don't know how interesting it would be, but... Um, <laughs> my Listen, uh, you're from Essex. I it's know, going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> I am from Essex. Um, <laughs> uh, it's interesting because... My dad was a physical training instructor in the army. Right. So he was a man's man. He brought me up like a corporal, you know. Right. And then when I went into hairdressing, I actually went into hairdressing by accident. Yeah. Because I had this crush on this girl. Oh, really? Who worked in the hairdressers. <laughs> so I was going to go off to college and I thought, no, I'm going to go and work in the hairdressers and I'm going to get to know this girl and that. And it turned out I didn't like this girl at all, but I fell in love with hairdressing. Oh, wow. You know, I just loved it. I loved yeah. the atmosphere. I loved it. I was a, I was a, a cocky little sod, you know, mm. so I was, it, it suited me, you know, the yeah. flamboyance and everything. Mm. But this was 78, so I was in the minority. There weren't many of us around, us male yeah. hairdressers. So what age were you then? Uh, I was 16, 16. 15, 16, mm. you know. Um, and uh, my dad was gutted, you know. Like he, he, he's, a bit like my dad. Yeah, he's, uh, I think he spent the first five years calling me a barber. You know, it made, him, <laughs> made him feel better about it. Yeah, God bless him. But he, um, you know, and it, it, it's one of those things you just fall into. Mm. Um, and I, I loved it from the beginning. Yeah. Um, was he good at disciplining you though, or were you the kind of kid that would just be like? Fuck oh, no, off. <laughs> he, he was very good. You know, yeah. I, I was I was scared, scared. of him. I mm. was scared of him. And I, don't get me wrong. I mean, my dad was sort of funny because as as he got older, he was this silly, lovely man. Mm. You know, but he was very, very fiery and strict when I was young. Yeah. You know? But um, I look back now, and I, you have different perceptions, don't you? Because the the kid I was, you know, sometimes you, you, then you feel neglected, and my dad didn't play football with me. I didn't do this, or he didn't do that. Mm. But I look back, and he'd done twelve hour shifts. Yeah, and he does seven days a week, and they would be split shifts. So you'd either be at work or recovering from work, or you know, yeah, right? Yeah, and and you have that different opinion, did not you? Mm. Um, but no, he, you know, it, it was it was all good. Yeah, really. my dad was in the army actually. Oh, same. So kind of similar, but he, I mean, he was. I was. I definitely was a bit scared of him when I think about it when I was yeah. a kid. 
But I did have a good relationship with him in the end. We had a bit of a falling out when yeah. I was about 18, 19, which yeah. went on for about 10 years. But right. that was just more to do with him dealing with me and my sexuality. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. not, but he didn't handle yeah. it very well. But yeah, but once he got over it, as he told me, I'm used to it now, <laughs> was his words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm glad you got used yeah, to it. But I had a similar thing actually, yeah. where it was quite tough and you yeah. know very militarian. I think. Yeah. In that way. My dad had a favourite saying, you know, like, if you don't like it, pack your kit bag and fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing I say to my son now, I've got four girls and one son. Oh wow! And uh, I say to him sometimes, when you're big enough, you'll be too old. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, like, he just laughs at me. He's already a two inches taller than me anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, right, Dad. So you went to work at the hairdressers because of this girl. Yeah. Did was did you have a career in mind before that? Or? No, 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 no. I was just. Uh, I was going to go to college and, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, mm. So I fell into that. Right. And where was that? Really... Was that in Essex? That was in Essex, yeah. It was for a company called Lorenz Dore, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Dore. Really clever, talented hairdresser. I think I'd been there about, I was there for five years and they mm. was going to make, they made me a partner. But instead of it sort of making me feel part of something, I actually felt a little bit trapped. Yeah. Because I was 21, you know, so yeah. I, it was all a bit... So I went freelance for five years, which mm-hmm. wasn't really a thing at the time as much. And then I sold my house and bought my first shop. Oh, so you'd already bought a house by that point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I got I got married quite early. Um, yeah. So during the five years of being freelance, I bought a house. Mm. Uh, then I sold that, bought the shop, the free old shop. And then I um, I had that for 30 years. So that was 1988, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I've done the research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was. Uh, I don't. I don't remember anything in the nineties. So if you if you ask me anything about the nineties, I won't know. But I do know I opened a shop in eighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most people through who had their sort of twenties in the nineties <laughs> don't remember that much about it. I know I've got some blank bits for yeah. sure. But what what made you open your own salon? Well, I think I've been freelance for five years, and I missed the environment. Mm. So I didn't really want to go and work for someone else because yeah. I've been working for myself for five years. So the obvious thing was to... So as a freelancer, when you say, because there's different versions of freelancing, isn't there, yeah. with that you were just going to people's houses or... Yeah, door-to-door. Door-to-door salesman, yeah. cutting hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. It was, I loved the freedom of it, you know. Yeah. It, it just, it, then it, it got to a point where I wanted to have a salad environment. Right. And so that was, you opened that in Essex, right? As yeah, well, that, that was, was in, in... Stanford Hope in Essex in yeah. uh, 88, as you say. Yeah, yeah. I was another one in... 91, I right. think, um, but that was that was uh, another freehold, so I'd sort of, I bought that one freehold, I bought another freehold, I was trying to get on the property, you know, yeah. be a property magnet by the time I'm there, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. and then the crash hit, yeah. the big old crash, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I sold that for, lost a lot of money on that, and then um, just cook, uh, got back to just having the one set on, yeah. working and building that back up again, mm. and then about, sort of, six, after 16 years, uh, I then... I'd paid the freehold off, so I'd converted that into flats, and then I ended up in Corringham nearby and right. took on a lease. Mm. You know, I had that for f- 14 years. Now. Yeah. And you also started the education thing, didn't you? The BHA hair education. I started education. that last year, and it, it, you know, it was during the Haircuts Founders, I've met so many hairdressers across the UK, mm. and I've met some volunteers who are, are volunteering to sort of get their skills up. So right. they're, they're, they're obviously, you've got to be qualified and you've got to be okay mm. to do it but some of them wanted to polish up some of their skills mm. and I found that some of them had been on these courses in some of these places and it just seemed that they weren't 
they were qualified yeah. by these places, but they, they didn't have enough the experience set. or the skill set wasn't there, yeah. I felt. Mm. And I thought, we can really do something. And I can get, I've met a lot of people who would probably want to come and help, which they did. Mm. Um, uh, but it's purely as well, I must, you know, totally honest, it was when you're trying to keep the business afloat in this climate, it's a way of building up the early part of the week that maybe is quiet. Yeah. And I yeah. think a lot of salons are turning to that. Mm. Um, so that was the idea of it. Obviously, when the salon closed in November, mm. uh, that had to close as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what happened with the salon then, with it closing and stuff? Well, yeah. it basically, it was... I'd suffered a little bit of people going and taking clientele, and mm. like a lot of people do. Which always it's happens, doesn't it? Yeah. One of those things. But it left us in quite a weak position. But this year, the lease had run out. Mm. So we come to the end of our lease, and the landlord doubled the rent. So I actually doubled it. So yeah. we weren't in a really nice position. Them, it? Well, it's, you know, I yeah. think he wanted, we was the last, the little row of shops, and we was the last one with the flat. I think he, Probably wanted his fl- the flat. I think yeah. that's the, the, the idea of it. So it just wasn't viable anymore, mm. and it was a tough, tough decision. And you know, despite what people think, broke my heart. Yeah, you know? I bet. broke my heart. Mm. Like Thirty years of your life. Yeah, you know, I've had lots of you know interesting things go around. You know why you did it. <laughs> none, of, none of them are true, but it's, yeah. you know it's interesting. But, yeah. um, the funny thing was was with someone. I heard someone say that. Because of the TV ad that went on at Christmas, mm. that I was in through the lottery for haircuts for homeless. That, uh, someone said, "Oh, we don't have to work anymore because he says it's great on telly all the time." <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing people's perception, isn't it? Of like, yeah. what the minute you're in the public eye a bit, everyone yeah. suddenly thinks you're loaded. Yeah, what is that? It's it's hilarious. And and that day that it went on TV was the day I had to shut my salon. So like, I woke up Monday morning and I had not a penny yeah. to my name. I mm. literally had not a penny and no income. Wow. You know, and it was scary. And to be honest, the last thing I wanted to do was face anyone. Yeah. But I knew by Friday, I gave myself until Friday, I had to get out there and start cutting some hair and earning some money. Yeah. Thank Good God. Feed my family. That's the know? one good thing about hairdressing yeah. though, isn't it? Is that you can always use it to make yeah. money. People always need their haircut. Yeah. I keep saying, I think we've got one of the few industries that won't ever be replaced by computers. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Because it hasn't happened yet. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a great skill to have, isn't it, yeah. for that, really? Because, you know, when when the shit hits the fan, you, yeah. people still want their air cut. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... And the, the funny thing is, is that, that I've probably... It's been one of the low points of my life at the end of last year. Mm. What kept me going was I, throughout all of that process, um, I kept still doing my volunteering. Yeah. And I would sort of walk into a homeless centre, feeling that I had the world on my shoulders. And, you know, you're feeling that, that oh, I've lost everything and the house mm. might be going and I might be, you know. Yeah. And then the next thing, you're talking to a young kid who's your son's age who lives in a tent. Mm. You can't help but feel lucky. Yeah. It's a fantastic antidote, Neil. Mm. You know, to your troubles, yeah. is to go and to be around that, be around someone else's troubles. Yeah. So, what do your kids do? Um, I've got five. The oldest one's uh, she's a uh, teacher. Mm. She's into drama, mm-hmm. so she's drama teacher. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> she's a drama. <laughs> the, my other oldest daughter is a vet nurse. Mm-hmm. Tommy's right in the middle of everyone. He's a 
um, hairdresser at Taylor Taylor. Right. And then Esme's at university doing, she does uh, media. Mm-hmm. And the little one, she's a star. Mm-hmm. She's at piano school. Oh, Just cool. finishing this year, so she'll be yeah. treading the ball. Totally. So you got one who's a hairdresser then? The one boy. The one boy. The yeah. Four girls, not interested. <laughs> It's obviously a bit of a boy thing in your family, yeah. isn't it? I wanted to briefly touch on this, Stuart, and obviously you talk about this as little or as much as you want, but I know in April this year, you're 13 years sober, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, recovering alcoholic. Do they say recovering? Or... Oh, it's a big controversy in the alcoholic world. Yeah. Oh, you, you know, you can really stir some stir things up if you say you're recovered. <laughs> well, they consider it as you don't ever recover, do you? Some you're... people say, look, to me, I'm an alcoholic. I'll be an alcoholic till the day I die. Mm. Um I just don't drink. Yeah. Because if I started to drink it, you'd soon see the alcoholic bag. Yeah. <laughs> it would rear his ugly head. Yeah. I said to someone this morning, funny, I was explaining to someone in the centre, and I said, I'm like a six-foot firework. <laughs> <laughs> if you give me a drink, it's like, like the blue touch paper and stand well back. Yeah, know, it's yeah. One of those. So it doesn't go. You've mm. still got that thing in you. Yeah. Uh, just some of us are lucky enough to sort of get rid of it. Yeah. Because I was talking to someone recently who has approached me about maybe trying to get something together for salons because we were saying about how so many creative people have, and especially in hairdressing, end up taking drugs, drinking. Mm. It sort of seems to go with the territory Mm. a lot. Not, I don't want to say with everybody because that's Mm. not the case, but it happens a lot. And me and her, I mean, it's funny because I'd I'd never met her before, but we were chatting on the phone for about three hours about this. Because I was saying to her, we were trying to work out what is the draw to that? What makes creative people or hairdressers especially lean towards that as a thing? And obviously there is no real answer, but we were saying that we, we put it down to the fact that we think it's something to do with creativity and you... When you're being creative, you kind of really focus on something, and then you just need like an outlet to just go a bit yeah. mad and wild. What do you think about that? I, I, I think personally, I think it's more just about the the, the nature of the hairdresser. Mm. We're very flamboyant mm. party people. Yeah, you know. And what happens is, is that it's a, the natural outlet is going to be booze, drugs, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. But because of how we are. It, you know, it's gonna it's gonna come about that some people cannot tolerate it. Yeah, because they're the ones who end up with the problem. Yeah, like, it's, it's nothing wrong with drinking. Oh. I can't say there's nothing wrong with drugs because it's, it's not legal. But if it was legal, there'd nothing be would be nothing. Mm. It's just the fact that some people cannot get away with it. People like me cannot get away with it because yeah. it becomes a problem mm. and it's life changing. Yeah, you know, and if it's having it, people, so there's this whole thing of oh, I'm not, I'm not an alcoholic, so I don't drink in the morning I'm not an alcoholic because of this this and that if your drinking or drug taking is having an adverse effect on your life mm-hmm. and you can't stop it there's your problem yeah you know that, mm. that's all you need to know it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how much how little what your, what your poison is yeah if it's causing you to lose uh, relationships mm. or you know financial burden or any of these things it's having, and you can't stop it yeah you've got a problem yeah I must admit, an old friend of mine ended up in... I've got a few friends who are addicts and mm. they're um, luckily they're still here and they're good, you know, but I've got one friend who was in rehab and I went to visit them in rehab, actually, while they mm. were there. And I sat through a whole... I went to, like, a friends and family day thing and it was such an eye-opener for me. I mean, I like a drink... 
I've dabbled with the odd drugs here and yeah. there, I'm not going to lie, but luckily I've not had a problem with either of them, yeah. and I mean, I can go for weeks without wanting a drink, neither way. I've got alcohol here at home, yeah. I never, you know, I mean, I just not that, yeah. I guess it's just not my nature, I've got other addictions, sugar, food, you know. Yeah. The, uh, what was interesting with my friend was, I remember sitting there and they asked all of us, as the visitors, what we thought was an addict. Yeah. And... I was like, oh, somebody that just kind of, you know, wakes up in the morning with drinking. And they were like, no, 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 it's nothing to do with that at all. It's not about consuming it from day to night. It's about when you start consuming it, whatever time it is, you have no cut-off point. And then, like you said, it starts affecting your life, the people around you, the other stuff that it can do. And they were saying, you know, it can get to a point with some people where they're so close to death. That 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 it, that's there's only two options: there's either death or go and get yourself sorted out. Um, but yeah, I it made me realise that it wasn't what I thought it was, you know. And when I think back now, my friends that have done rehab, you know, for drugs and drink, none of them would wake up in the morning with a bottle of vodka next to their bed or with you know a gram of coke next to them. <laughs> so it was actually. You know, they would maybe just do it at night when they were going out and having fun. But once they started... They couldn't stop. They couldn't stop. And the other thing is as well to, you know, like to, to look out for with people is, is the change. Yeah. The personality change. Yeah. You know, that, that old book, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, was written by an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> it perfectly describes the alcoholic condition. Mm-hmm. Because if you see the remember the old sort of horror film of the man and he drinks and he falls behind the couch and he comes up, you know. Yeah. That's an alcoholic. Yeah. Because I changed, mm. you know, and I know a lot of people who do change, you know. If something comes over, something comes over their eyes and they're just, yeah. they're not themselves anymore. You know, they're, they're, they're the worst version of themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I've done some not nice things when I've been sober, but I've, I've done some of the worst things I've done. Have been, mm. And I, I still take responsibility for that. Yeah, I still did it, but without that mm. in me, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, and that's the common denominator a lot of the time. Yeah. So throughout all that, though, you kept the salon going and your yeah. business going, and yeah. so just, just, <laughs> just <laughs> clinging on by your nails. Just. Yeah, kept a family. Just. Yeah. 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 Kept a wife. Just. But that's interesting, though, isn't it? Because it shows some resilience from you in a way that you you were. We're tough people, alcoholics. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and as you say, hairdressers, alcoholics, are like tough, creative, mm. um, charismatic. Yeah, can't people. kick us down easily. Can no. You? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, uh, many people, many, many people have um, got mental health issues. You know, mm. Most. Most people have this day and age. The society we live in is this yeah. is so detached from each other. Some people have got a sense of entitlement, yeah. which means you're never going to be content. Yeah. The cliche of the hole in the soul. People are trying to fill themselves externally with an, in, an yeah. internal problem. Yeah. Uh, so after you were, um, you were, you were, when you became sober, you yeah. set up quite a few other things, didn't you? So First one was sober living. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I did which I owe it all to, was I went to AA. Yeah. AA, you know, I know it's supposed to be anonymous. It? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I've anonymous it, anymore, know, is it? <laughs> I've, got give, I've got to give it a plug because it does a hell of a lot of good yeah. for people. Mm. Well, not everyone wants to walk through the door and I understand that. And that's why me and someone else, we sort of got together and we, we, brought, we sort of brought our own version, not to replace it, mm. but for somebody, say like they didn't want to go in the doors of AA, yeah. they could come to Sober Living and we'd explore some other avenues that, 
AA doesn't explore. Right. So we, you know, like, at sober living, we do things like we do Reiki and meditation and all these mm. other things. Some more sort of alternative yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And we look at you know part of the brain culture and that. I mean, I learned a lot a few years ago when I trained with Dan Ross and Smith. Mm. I've become one of his coaches. Right. And we done, but we went really into a lot of how the brain works and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, and I, I bring that actually to alcoholics and and. You know, to explain why you, how your subconscious works, yeah. and all of those things. So we try to do that and keep that going. But that's really where the like four and a half years ago. Because I've been doing that ten years, right? But four and a half years ago is when that's when it started. Where that's run. Yeah. So you've been doing haircuts homeless now for four years. Yeah, four and a half years. Yeah, yeah. It was November fourteen. Yeah. Um, and it, all it was was I was I was at the Romford Salvation Army doing me me sober living. I used to do two till four, and I saw we used to get there early. But I used to see the homeless guys come in and get their food. Yeah, and I saw that Mark Bustos in America mm. on Facebook doing these street makeovers. Yeah, oh, it's amazing, right? You know, so purely all it was going to be was I go an hour early, take my scissors, do a couple of haircuts. Yeah, and literally that's all it was going to be. The Salvation Army is all sort of you know like so can you come here? Can you come there? And then uh, a lot of hairdresser friends. Because I'd put a few pictures on Facebook, they said, "I oh, will come and join in, we'll help out," and that's all it was going to be, you know. Mm. Uh, but so pretty quickly, we had about six projects on the go, mm. uh, and then I see it was something that was replicable, right? You know, like I could have did, I could have done what uh, Mark did out on the streets, and that, mm. it would really centre around me. So, what was his thing then? Because I heard about him, but I didn't really. I've not really. He did, did. He literally go out on the street and do yeah. haircuts on the street. Yeah, he's a very. Is uh, in a very sort of. Uh, Beautiful salon in New York. Right. So, uh, contra- contrastingly, he'd, he'd go out in the street and do real street homeless people, but on his own. Right. And do street makeovers and see yeah. the difference. It's mm. amazing. But I know I couldn't replicate that because you can't send an t- army of people out in the street. No. You know, well, not consciously because, you know, like I've got young girl volunteers and, you mm. know, how do you keep them safe and all yeah. these things. And it, But working within a centre... Uh, was something that we could once we knew it worked, mm. and I managed to get an insurance cover for it. I knew that then we could spread it out further. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Just explain for me, well, not really for me, more for the people that are listening. Yeah. How does haircuts for homeless actually work then? So, because obviously it's grown now, hasn't it, and become yeah. a much bigger yeah. thing up and down the country, right? Well, uh, Sunday, uh, well, I went up Sunday, but Monday morning we opened Hull right. in the northeast. And that was number 50. Wow. And that's across the whole of the UK, mm-hmm. including Dublin as well. Um, and so once you open them, Stuart, is that it then? Is, is that set up as a thing that will always happen there? Or is it more like a pop-up thing? It's, it's never supposed to be a pop-up. Right. A couple have ended up that way and I've had to re-establish them. Mm. But the, the real idea is is that, say Hull, for instance, um, lovely lady Maxine, came along and helped me out. Mm. Um, Maxine now is going to take the reins for a while mm. to build a team. Then either her or someone else will come forward to actually run it. Mm. Um, all we asked is for each hairdresser only give half a day a month. Right. Because that way it's 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 doable. You know, you can yeah. keep it going. I don't want to ever put anyone under pressure to do too much mm. and then mm. resent doing it, you know. So it's um, yeah, half a day, once a month. But the guys in the place can rely on it. Yeah. 
they know that the guy, the haircuts for homeless guys are coming every month. Mm. And maybe if they miss one, they'll be back on the next one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how does the word get out then to the homeless community? Well, the... to the centre where we are. Mm. So that was a Salvation Army building called William Booth House. And so they 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 asked me to come, you know, they kept badgering me, got to come to Hull, got to come to Hull. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. got to Hull. Yeah. So they've been telling their residents, you know, mm. Uh, beforehand and we had, we had a busy time mm. very busy actually mm. yeah and do you try and go to everyone I go to the launches yeah because I need to make sure that everyone's okay mm. to start with uh, it's nothing daunt, you know it, it, you can imagine like the night before say you was going to do it Neil the night before you, everything will come in your mind of what it might be like yeah you know, so yeah. I'm there to reassure people that it's probably not anywhere near as bad <laughs> as you think it's going to be. Yeah. You know, uh, but if the odd thing happens, then I've got the experience to deal with it. Yeah. You know, they know the process and it becomes familiar. So once they've, they've done one, they're okay. Yeah. So I'm And what things do go wrong? It, it does happen. We have the odd, you know, fight breakout mm. or, you know, very vulnerable people at the, you know, sometimes they're very much on edge. Yeah. Sometimes someone's quite heavily under the influence of, mm. of, of something. So it, it sometimes it's a hygiene issue. Mm. So maybe someone's got, you know, quite poor condition scalp or something like that. What but do you do always, in those situations? Like? You, you, we always work around it. We've never not really been able to do someone's hair. Yeah. Believe it or not, the lice, head lice, fleas, uh, we, in four and a half years I've only come across it twice. Mm. So well, those lice live on clean hair, don't they? They don't necessarily... Probably while we don't see it. Yeah. You know, uh, we're not, you know, we don't go in. It's not like a southern environment. Yeah. I try and make it as much like that as possible. Mm. You know, we sit there, we do a consultation. We, we, you know, like we don't just get on with cutting someone's hair. We get to know them, we talk about what they want. Yeah. We make it as much as possible. We mm. give, it's all about respect now. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Like... Everyone deserves respect, no matter what their circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, if you want a bit of a, there was a, a guy not that long ago that had cut his head in a fight, you know. Mm. So he put his bobble out on his head because <laughs> it was like quite low down, and he was a bit mm. embarrassed. So, but and he hadn't taken it off for a month. So I had the pleasure of peeling it off. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> and it was all stuck to. Yeah, and I couldn't. I just had to sort of do the best I could round it. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's there, so. You do the best you can. Mm. You're not going to get a cracking haircut in them circumstances. Yeah. But you can make someone feel better. Yeah. You Which is what it's to, about a lot yeah, of it, isn't it? You can it? take, you can, you know, you do the best job you can, but you can also, like, you can take time to listen and you're laying hands on people. Yeah. That some people won't even look at. Yeah. So, you know, there is the biggest thing of it mm. is the human contact. I think. Yeah. Because I've always said with hairdressing, you know, we touch people's heads yeah. every time we go to do someone's hair. Yeah. And that boundary of touching somebody yeah. doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, in everyday life, you rarely actually touch other people unless yeah. you know them. But to touch somebody's head, yeah. I think, is quite a unique thing in terms of breaking down barriers between you and that other person. Of course. And... Because someone said to me, why do people always tell hairdressers all their yeah. shit? And I'm like, it's because the minute you start touching them, all the barriers are gone. Yeah. And because that's something you would never let a stranger do. And that's a salon client. Yeah. You imagine someone who no one even talks to. Yeah. I've had someone, you know, I've, had, I've been, I've said, I say this a lot because it struck me so hard. 
But I've had someone say to me, like, thank me for talking to them. Yeah. Now, wow. where have we come in society where someone is mm. grateful that you just speak to them? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's you know, so to actually lay hands on someone, um, you know, it's funny. Mm. So what you think, they haven't had a conversation with anybody for so weeks? No. Wow. No. Because they tend to... Obviously, I can't generalise. I'm not homeless, but you find that they tend to flock in little groups, don't yeah. they? A lot of them. So, but not all of them. Yeah. See, some that you will come across mm. are quite. Some are scared. Yeah. You know, some some are lonely. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's the same as any society. There's different groups. There's the, the mm. s- sort of the strong, confident ones, and then there's the yeah. really timid, weak ones. And couple today are really physical size of physical. Use, mm. you know, like punch mm. ups, maybe with each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went up north uh, to the uh, Newcastle, and there seems to be a thing there where these young guys I was cutting their hair, and they were saying that they can't sleep in doorways near the middle of town now because they come out of town, come out of the nightclubs, and it's like a sport. Yeah, they'll jump all over someone on the floor. What the people coming out of the clubs? Yeah, God, that's so bad, isn't it? Yeah, but it's it's sort of everything. If once it becomes norm, yeah, it's like a, a joke. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you, like I can see you're horrified. I'm horrified because mm, mm. I've heard the young guy who's my son's age, yeah, explain to me, mm. that, yeah, what happened. Yeah, yeah. Do you find there's an age group that seems to be the main one, or is it really broad? It's so broad. The young ones upset me. Yeah, in their seventies. You know, and you think this should be the time when you're around your family and you're looked after. And you look at some yeah. other societies, being old is looked up to and everyone looks after the old people and respected. And, mm, mm. you know, we've got some in our society that are just cast aside. Yeah. It's really sad. Do you find they're made homeless at a late, much later age, as, or have they been homeless for a long time? The it varies way. so much. Varies, Because yeah. there's so many ways to be homeless. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's growing because of, like... A lot of the thing is is the price of rents. Mm. There's two girls in Croydon who come along. I can say that because it's anonymous, but like they, but they've got full time jobs, but they're homeless. Wow! But you try and save enough money for a deposit for a flat. That is on mad. a small one. Yeah. So they're so working. Yeah. So they're not sleeping in a tent. They're probably sleeping in a maybe a shelter. Yeah. Yeah. But they're homeless. Yeah. They haven't got a home. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Mm. No, but they can't. But they can't actually afford they can look, to... They can afford to live and work, but they yeah. can't afford to just get that money together Yeah. to get a, a, a flat, Yeah. a deposit. God, that's insane. Wow. It is. But yeah. you think how much it is to get a... Well, yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, central London. Yeah, it's not cheap. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. And, if you, and that's where you, people say, well, move, move somewhere else. Mm. You know, like... They might be their home. They might be where, where they know. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that really moved me, actually, was I saw on, I think it was on your Instagram, and you posted something about how what you're doing is really helping people mentally as well, like giving them a sense of purpose again, because you're actually, you know, anything to do with sort of with physical appearance can make people feel better and... Would you say that a lot of these people are dealing with mental health issues? Massively. Yeah. Massively. Um, I'm seeing it more and more. Mm. Um, if you look back a few years to the age where they, they, didn't they, they, they shut a lot of places down where people would be residential homes yeah. for people with problems and, you know, it's a care in a community. 
Yeah. The care disappeared, didn't it? Yeah. So yeah. what have we got? We've got mm. just people with mental health issues on the, in yeah. the community. Yeah. Where it lives. You've got guys coming out of the army. Mm. Um, a lot of guys ex-service on the street. People coming out of prison. Yeah. On the street. Not ev- there again, not everyone on the street has got mental health issues, but there's no. a lot of them have. There's a lot of them have. Yeah. yeah. And I should imagine being on the street can make them escalate as well, right? Oh, yeah. Of, and what yeah. are you going to turn to? Yeah. You know, you've got nothing. Yeah. You're freezing cold. Now, I'm an alcoholic. Mm. But I can understand someone wanting to grab a bottle of vodka. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. I can see it. I don't say it's... Numb it all, right? Yeah. It's, like it's it. numbing. Yeah. But once you turn to that, then that becomes an ongoing thing. Yeah. And the sense of isolation as well. The low self-esteem. Mm. So sometimes we can help, but if you can just improve someone's day. Yeah. Maybe it might need on to Have you actually done some haircuts on people where you've seen them again and noticed that yeah. there's a change yeah. and things have improved for them? i tell you what, it's just funny you say that. I got a... a it's, look. <laughs> yeah, hair's yeah. standing on end. Yeah, on my arm is standing on end. I got an email this week. I was on the way back from Hull on a train. I got an email, and it's from a girl we used to cut hair in Ilford mm. a few years ago, who moved away, got back into her work, has moved back to London, and now she's having a, a party for her birthday. Mm. And she wants. She asked me if I could send some leaflets so people to donate to haircuts from us because it's so close to her heart. Because it lifted her so much. Yeah. Wow. And a lovely story. Yeah. But it, it's like it must. It must be like a real sense of achievement for you in a way, isn't it? Like yeah. one small thing, because actually. Well, it's lovely to have a happy ending because you get so few. Yeah. Because I find yeah. that in recovery, mm. you know, you, you you can only help. You can only show people the way but you can't take them there no no you show them the road but you can't walk along it with them yeah you know, like you, you, and so many times they fail because mm. I, unfortunately I'm in a very small percentage yeah who managed to stay like that mm. um, so it's disappointing so yeah. that's why the success stories really do mm. hit home and they keep you going yeah and you had a great success story last year didn't you because you actually won the creative head award for yeah. innovation what about night it was. Can I tell you, you got the biggest clap from me out of all the awards. Because <laughs> no, I much. just thought it was brilliant. And it actually, it made my hair stand on yeah. end when you got it. Because it was like, do you know what? Awards are funny things because who decides? I mean, I'm one of the judges, do you know right, what I mean? Right. But I'm always a bit, they, I think they're good to have. And I think they're, you know, people appreciate them. And it helps business for people a lot yeah, of the time, awards. But really... Picking one person out from a group of people is yeah. not easy because yeah. everybody does great things, you know, in their own right and in their own way and what feels right and good for them. Yeah. But for me, your one, it really was like, this is fucking great. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because you're not actually doing something for yourself. Yeah. You're doing it for other people. And there ain't that many people around that do that. Yeah. I don't think. But remember, I get something out of it. Yeah. <laughs> in a different way though isn't yeah. it yeah. yeah it's not like it's not monetary it's oh, no, not no, no. do you know what I mean which but is different talking about mental health it yeah. saves my mental health yeah yeah. I just went through one of the worst times one of the worst times of my life at the end of last year yeah that kept me going yeah yeah kept me through it kept me focused mm. kept me grateful 
Yeah. Because like you say, you got there and you're a bit like, actually, my life's not that bad. It's kind of... I might lose my house. Yeah. But I'll probably be able to buy a smaller house. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. You sort of, look, come yeah. on, pull yourself together. <laughs> you know, you're not going into town. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Probably would have been hmm. if I hadn't changed my life a few years ago. Yeah. So what's next for you then, Stuart? Well, I've just started it. <laughs> I've just started it. As yeah. you, you mentioned, we're doing the fighting for a couple. I really want to... Uh, a friend of mine, Steve, a great friend I used to train with years ago because I, I know like I look like an athletic <laughs> god. Was fit You're like me. You look a bit more like a discus thrower or something. <laughs> yeah, a darts player. Yeah. Like a darts player. I used yeah. to fight in the ring, but I'm now a darts player. Uh, he, uh, we want to try and work with kids and get them out of gangs and get them in the gym and yeah. that stuff. But that's that's in the, on the on the boiler. We're just trying to get that going. It's a very complex. It's going to take yeah. us a while. Another thing, we'll isn't get, it? We'll get in there. We'll, we'll get in there. Mm. Steps forward. But the the sort of the next step from haircuts for homeless is is training. Yeah, we want to train homeless people to cut hair. Mm. Oh, you wow. said it yourself. Yeah, cut hair. You can always earn a living. Yeah. Now you can always earn an honest living. Mm. You know, so it's better to do a haircut than maybe do something you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, so that's the thing. It was it's based on the principle, the old saying of. Give a man a fish, you'll eat for a day. Teach him how to fish mm. for the rest of his life. Yeah. So yeah. rather than just do a, a donation or a handout, you know, let's, let's mm. try and get these guys back to work or get them into work. Mm. And I've started with my first trainee student. Started it. I didn't have aspirations of having this big academy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, the first thing is make it as difficult as possible for yourself. <laughs> um, and then I spoke to Jet Training in Basildon, who mm. done the Hair Wars program. Mm. Uh, they've been amazing, and they, they've literally given me a free reign in the place. Mm. Um, obviously, keeping it respectful of what they're doing, uh, keeping it right for the person I'm taking in there, or yeah. a couple of people I take in there. But if this works, which it will, mm. um, why can't all of these academies across the land, across the the whole of the UK, okay, yeah. take a couple of homeless people in with the right mentorship, with the right guidance, yeah, and give them um, a career, yeah, an honest career that they can, you know, enjoy. Mm. Um, and it's there again; it's just using what we've got. Mm. You know, we've got hairdressing skills. You know, let's share them. Yeah. And she started last. She started two weeks ago. She's back on Tuesday. Lonely. She's the girl from the TV advert that Laurie did at Christmas. Right. She's the girl with the red hair in it, and she's right. she's because when I spoke to her that day, she'd done a level two mm. before she went on the street. Yeah. Wow. So and she was starting to she was training for a level three. So mm. she just needs her skills tightened up mm. and her confidence brought out. Yeah. Now that she's on her way back, mm. you know, when you probably couldn't do it with street homeless. You know, I don't think, yeah. Yeah. They've got to be someone who's on their way back, mm. hopefully, with the right. If you pick the right person, you can then just take them that next step of the way. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's that's the goal, anyway. Mm. Are you, is it still... Because when we spoke on the phone a few weeks ago, you said the National Lottery. The Lottery... I'm going. I'm a big fan of the Lottery. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. And it's not just because they put my mug on the telly. £13 million pounds a week they do that. That's like a, a children in need every week. Yeah. You know? uh, it not just... Uh, through funds like mine, but through, you know, like sport, yards, everything. So there's a mm. massive thing that's going back out there. 
and they have a strong responsibility of who they give that money to. Yeah. Now, they rightly said, this is a bit new. Mm. So what they've told me to do is go back to the drawing board. Now, the thing is, these are long processes, so I've got to start again. And how I am is, like, well, what I'll do is I'll start. Mm. I'll show you how it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always set, when I've set anything, my goals of all these things, I put a date in. Mm. So the first thing I do is put the date in when we're, when we're opening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't do it the next week. Yeah. I, do, I do it like three months' time, but I yeah. go, right. So you've got something to yeah, go, there work we go. towards. We're, go, we're opening May the 3rd. Yeah. Right, the first session of this is May the 3rd or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then we work our way back. Mm. And I give myself deadlines to, you know, I don't I don't achieve everything I set out to do, but I do a it lot does. more than I would have done. Yeah, yeah. By having that sort of mindset of can do mm. and not looking at anything. So, yeah, they, they decided that it wasn't really at that time, but they've said, come back in and have a look. So how come you were on the ad then? Well, the ad came about by accident because um, I had done a, I done a talk to the Camelot their executives because yeah. they wanted to because I suppose they're in an office all day and they're just doing numbers and talking about you know it's business business and mm. they forget that they're like the dream makers yeah you know sometimes for people mm. either winning a great deal of money or people like me who get to do what they love doing yeah so they got me in on, a, on an executive meeting one day and I done talk to these execs and then early last year they I didn't know but they were changing their advertising company mm deal with Camelot and they wanted someone to come in and do a talk well I was I was off at the time I with my new knee <laughs> breaking my new knee in and um, they they called me to do it and mm-hmm. it was only a 10-15 minute talk now the people who got that contract were Adam and Eve who make the John Lewis Christmas adverts right yeah and they said you've really got to start focusing on your advertising campaign on the feel good factor mm-hmm. where they come up with the I think it was called, I think it's Amazing Starts Here. Yeah. So it's not just about the prizes, it's they've done a few little things about that. Mm. And they said, the first advert, we've got to get that guy in who done that talk, <laughs> around on stage, you know, they've got to get the guy in and, yeah. and do that. Because mm. it, what it does, it really simply gives a story. Yeah. It's got a very short, because they had to, they spent two days filming that. Mm. But had you been given funding at that point? from the Yeah, line? in the yeah. past, yeah. I mean, it was funny, the first year, so then, mm. you know, after a few couple of months, I thought I'm going to try and get some funding, make it grow. Uh, there's this thing called a balls for all. You can get mm. up to 10000 for a year. So I only applied for six and a half because I thought that'd be plenty. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> because then we went from three projects to 10 really quickly. And it, mm. between 10, that's only uh, 1000 each. Yeah. See how quickly I worked that out? <laughs> <laughs> So there's, you know, quickly goes, you know, yeah. like you think something sort of called us kids around a quid or something, you know, like yeah. it, it, it don't last long. Uh, so the following year, I applied for the full 10 and, and that kept us going for another year. Mm. So there's never been any money from, you know, like the government or mm. local councils or anything like that. So they really do help people keep things going. Yeah, you know, and it, it does go to the equipment, to t-shirts, to mm-hmm. marketing, to mm-hmm. travel, and it gets me about the country, getting these things going as yeah, well. You yeah, because that all costs money, doesn't it? You going it up does, and down all over the it place. Money's interesting. I, I, I'm fascinated with money because, like, in this country, like, when you think of people in America, mm. money's very freely spoken about. Yeah. 
It's a bit of a dirty word in this country. It is, isn't it? It's a really dirty word. You know, yeah. they'd rather talk about pom than money. Right? <laughs> you know, like, or religion than money. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I'll do that. So, and I find it fascinating because it's just fuel. Mm. Money is fuel. So if you, you know, don't attach your happiness to it. <laughs> yeah. Don't believe that money's evil and you can do without it because mm. you won't get far. It's useful. <laughs> it's use. Yeah. It's a use. All it is is a tool. Yeah. It's like the engine needs a bit of it's petrol. Yeah. If you ain't got no petrol in the car, you ain't going nowhere. Yeah. You know, so. So the funding that you're trying to get at the moment from them is for the new for the academy side. Yeah. For the academy yeah. side. To, yeah. to, to be honest, it's that's what we're trying to do now. Right. We've had, to, I mean, it, it was great. Some people have donated online because we got the PayPal thing on our website. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that just yeah. so, to make people aware. So, in terms of people donating personally, how do they do that? On our website, there's a PayPal button, and the website is headhunksforhomeless.com. Yeah, and um, it's the number four. The right? number four. That is the thing. We, yeah. You know, maybe I wouldn't have put that in before because people type in haircuts and F O R. Yeah. And it's number four. Yeah. I spent hours thinking the name up. <laughs> then you sort of yeah. think, oh, we'll do the number four. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And then yeah. afterwards you're like, what do you Literally do? Literally took me like 10 seconds. And people, yeah. it, it, some people don't like it and say it's a bit demeaning. And, you know, people have, uh, people have opinions. But I, I, I would say to them, like, I didn't put a lot of thought in it, to be honest. It weren't going to be a thing. Well, what could it be, though? Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? It's, it's kind of... It's very self-explanatory. Well, I was going to say, it tells you what it is without yeah. having to be explained, doesn't it? You know yeah. what I mean? It's funny, yeah. isn't it? People get so wrapped up in like, oh, I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this. You're yeah. like, oh, you know what? You didn't come up with the idea anyway, so shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for your input. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think it's brilliant what you're doing, and I, you know, and I really champion it personally as well because I think it's so great yeah I mean I'm hoping that I can do something with you at some point as oh, well of course you can I mean, and donate my services well you can you can come and one day with, I'll get you to, to sort of come and teach someone mm. you know just yeah. one, one day yeah you know, I'd love to day out of your life yeah and you'll love it mm. yeah you mean the best best people in homeless centers you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> well count me in because oh, yeah, I really well, would like to contribute give yeah. something to it you know what I mean well thanks Stuart I've got um we're done with the serious stuff now I'm okay. at the end of each interview I do some quick rapid fire questions so this okay. is actually just about you a uh, bit of fun you can either not answer answer with one word answer with a big long sentence whatever okay. you feel but they're just quick fire questions right. what's your guilty pleasure um Towie <laughs> Are you a Terry fan? I hate it. Oh, sort of, you can't stop watching yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm not going to tell you my thoughts on Terry. I'll tell you when we've finished recording. Okay. Where's your favourite place to eat? My own Sunday dinner. Oh, yeah, you can't beat a bit oh, of a I home do a Sunday, dinner. Sunday dinner. Do you? And you know what's great? The family's all there. Yeah, perfect. Who would you like to play you in a film of your life? Uh, Ray Winston. Oh, God, yeah. I could so see Ray Winston. Or Ricky Gervais. <laughs> No, Ray Winston's better. I prefer Ray Winston. What would you say is your best feature or personality trait? I'm a people person, I think. Yeah? Yeah. And I'm a good listener. Right. You have to be his hairdresser, don't you? <laughs> what makes you annoyed? People. <laughs> Everyone? Or? Most people. You're not, you're not bad, Neil. But <laughs> Thanks. Give it long enough, you'd annoy me. Yeah. Do you know what I always say? You know when you know when you're in a restaurant, but they come up and they go, "Do you have any allergies?" And I, do, I always say, "I've got, yeah. I've got to stop." So I just go, "Yeah, to people." Yeah. 
I spent my whole evening like watching the kids and my wife all say like you've got to shut up dad it's like everyone that comes up oh, don't like him yeah oh she winds me up I spent the whole evening doing that do you do that when you're watching Towie yeah particularly yeah yeah what's the best piece of advice you've ever received is it working Adam Austin Smith you know because it's you know, a lot of the times you you, you overthink things and mm. just look if it's not working, just change it. Yeah, I'm a great believer in that, I have to say. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? I think I would like to fly. What's your favourite box set? I've just watched Get Shorty. That was really Was that good? good? Yeah, with Ray, right. Ramar- Ray, Ray Romero. Right. Brilliant. Uh, and uh, and I'm just dying to watch Afterlife with Ricky Shorty. Oh, yeah. I love all of those. Yeah. All of this stuff. Do you know what I just watched? <laughs> and... I watched it purely because I worked with the actor who was in it last um, couple of weeks ago, and I felt really bad that I hadn't seen anything that he'd been in. Uh-huh. And it's that one, Sex Education. Have you seen oh, it? Oh, my kids Netflix. Have watched that. Well, I thought it was going to be just for kids. I'll be honest with you. That yeah. was what put me off when I saw it advertised. Yeah. I fucking loved it. I watched eight episodes in a yeah. row, back to back, from Saturday morning to Saturday evening. Well, I sort of walked in on my 18-year-old daughter watching it, mm. and it didn't like, take long for me to walk back out. It <laughs> the sort of thing I wanted to watch my 18-year-old daughter. Well, I must, admit, I, like, I must admit, I wasn't... When I first started watching it, I thought, oh, I don't know about this. I'm not sure. This doesn't feel... I, but there's a lot of really good messages in it, and I think that's what drew me in, Especially actually. Especially with sex. I mean, sex is hilarious. We could do a whole podcast about oh, totally. people's attitudes and... and yeah, especially this country. Yeah, the repression and ah, oh, fucking hell, amazing. And I think that's what I loved about it so much is yeah, it, yeah. it's actually because it is British. Yeah, it's almost like a bit wrong. Yeah, because we're so repressed in that way. Yeah. But I love the fact that they've just literally opened the can of yeah. worms for it. Good, and I think it's good, even if it's not necessarily an adult program. I think it's good for young people to yeah. see because. We do have a habit as British people of being a bit like, don't talk about sex. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or money. Yeah, or money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done anything illegal? Yes. Go on. Fuck off, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't always been this good. <laughs> yeah, your halo slipped a bit, isn't it? A bit like mine. I, my halo's in the cupboard somewhere. <laughs> so you're not going to tell us one? Eh? Not going to tell no. us one. Okay, cool. There must be better. There might still be a warrant out. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, well, on that note. I could make your hair curly. It's, really curly. <laughs> it's, too, it's too fucking curly already, mate. Good luck. I'll have an afro by the time you're finished. Um, well, on that note, I'm yeah. going to end the interview. Thanks so much, Stuart. I yeah, really appreciate you. you doing this. And I think, you know, getting this out there to people is yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, appreciate cheers. That. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. To donate or check out Haircuts for Homeless, go to haircutsforhomeless.com with the word four like the actual number four. You can also check out the Sober Living Action Group on Facebook. Thanks for listening to In Bed with Neil Moody. If you want to get in bed with me again and another of my guests, then you can subscribe to my podcast series on all the regular platforms so that you don't miss an episode. There are other episodes available to listen to straight away. Thanks a lot. 